0: Enterprise.
1: Lock on transporters. Beam us up. Scotty. If everything goes according to plan, beam us up. Captain, beam me up.
0: Uh, hello and welcome to Pod Me Up Scotty, a podcast in which we rewatch all of Star Trek in chronological order. I'm Usheen.
1: And I'm Andrea.
0: And today we are discussing Enterprise Season 1, Episode 13 Sleeping Dogs in which Enterprise tries to rescue a Klingon ship from sinking into a gas giant.
1: Yeah, that, yeah, that is what happens in this episode.
0: Yeah, because Andrea, you watched it yesterday and you still vividly remember, right?
1: Of course, every <laughs> little detail.
0: So, this episode opens with a gun being loaded, and so yeah. I instantly knew that Reed was going to be heavily involved in this episode. And I wasn't disappointed.
1: <laughs> and you were <laughs> indeed correct.
0: Uh, so Hoshi is practicing her shooting for some reason. And Reed has a cold.
1: It's plot reasons. That's the reason. But this is it
0: because it's not. So the plot of the episode is Reed, Hoshi and T'Pol get stuck on this Klingon ship which is sinking. And the Enterprise has to rescue the ship and them. Hoshi's shooting does not come into any part of the solution. It's not relevant to the overall plot at all. She doesn't have to shoot something at the end of the episode to save the day. And Reed Cold is also completely irrelevant to the episode, except for one moment when he can't smell how bad the ship smells. Yeah. It's a really weird tease, because... I sent a sketch to you that it reminded me of. Yeah. Because if this was any kind of other show, or especially a period drama, if they open with one of the main characters having a cough, I would automatically be expecting them to probably die towards the end of the episode, <laughs> because that's just. <laughs> that's. And so I had a bit thinking. of a bit. Of, I had a bit of hope. I mean, it was a very small bit because I was pretty confident that Reed was going to stay a regular. But there was a small glimmer of hope that, hey, Reed might actually die of some sort of deep space influenza. But no, it has no impact on the plot at all.
1: No, it doesn't. It's just... I mean, it's... Again, this episode. What is there really to remember about this episode? The most important thing is that I have my two women together, dressed in very tight undergarments. And that is it. That is all I get from this episode. Because the Klingons, it could have been any species. They don't play that much of a big part other than the captain of the ship being angry at humans for something that they did. Like, it could have been any other species and it would have been the same episode. Just make it an aggressive species and that's it. And I think that by now it's clear that you and I are not big fans of weapons in general. So an episode about the weapons officer going on a ship and point Like, he's not even that good of an officer in this episode. He gets attacked and falls the first chance he gets. So it's just... Am I missing something? Did-, Did my brain forget the main point of the episode? No. No,
0: no. (laughs) I don't think think there's a point.
1: It's a filler episode, but as you said, it's not even like a filler episode and it's giving us good information. It's just like, it's a filler episode with a man that has a cold that means nothing, a linguist that is shooting for no reason, and a science officer that is there for what?
0: (laughs) Yeah. I think the best thing that can be said about this episode is that it gave us some... Character dynamics that we haven't really seen. So obviously we got Hoshi and Reed at the start, and I think their major scene together before this was the pineapple episode. Yeah. Then we have Reed and Hoshi and Paul, which are three people that we really haven't seen interact together at all. And I was even thinking I could not think of a single moment prior to this episode where Reed and Paul exchange dialogue. I know they've been in scenes together, but I don't recall them speaking to each other. At all. Me neither. So it gave us that interesting dynamic. But at the same time, and you may may disagree with part of what I'm about to say. Okay. I don't think the dynamic worked. And you're going to have to hear me out on this. You have to let me finish. I don't think this three-way dynamic worked because T'Paul and especially Reed are two of the most boring characters <laughs> on the show for different reasons. Because <laughs> T'Paul obviously is... Vulcan, you know, she's logic based, she doesn't have much character, so there's no emotion there, and Reed just doesn't have a personality. So that dynamic just didn't work for me at all. I did like getting to see more of Hoshi and T'Paul because I think the only scene we've seen them together before was in one of the first episodes when Hoshi tries to speak to T'Paul in Vulcan, and T'Paul gets a bit offended by that. So it was nice to see that relationship and possible friendship growing. But aside from that, I don't think it worked. However, however, I'm also going to say something that's very controversial.
1: Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Wait.
0: I I did find myself warming slightly to read in this episode. No way. Yeah. There's two main reasons that I found myself warming to read in this episode. And one of them is actually something that Reed did. He calls Hoshi Hoshi. Mm-hmm. And we saw this in the last episode, or maybe it was the episode before, where he called Trip Trip. Mm-hmm. Reed has always struck me as someone who's very kind of, as I said before, he has a stick up his butt. He's very rules and regulations. <laughs> <laughs> so to see him kind of relax a bit and use name terms is, you know, i I, I like that. But also, there's the moment, and I ha- like they have to be doing this on purpose. They have to be doing this on purpose when Hoshi discovers the Klingon weapon system. And Reed just rushes over and is like, torpedoes?
1: What? Hadadakcha. <laughs> Something they call photon torpedoes. Photon torpedoes? never heard of anything
0: like that. What else?
1: <laughs> that, I, that I remember. That <laughs> I, I remember. Like, because... they're literally
0: dying. They are sinking on a ship yeah. that is going to be crushed. And he's, new weapons? What? What? I've never seen these before. What are these? These new toys? Ooh, fun.
1: It's Christmas. and it's not
0: played for laughs, but the writers have to be doing this on purpose. This cannot be. Yeah, they cannot be this dense and just writing him this boring. Coincidentally,
1: yeah, I think at this point it's too many coincidences and it's too many episodes where with the same thing. Like, oh, w- what are their weapons? It's always that question.
0: Yeah. So I think if the writers can manage to turn us around from. Reed is so boring because he's got no personality and is only obsessed with weapons, too. <laughs> Reed's hilarious because he's only obsessed with <laughs> weapons. I think they deserve credit for that.
1: I think you, you're speaking for yourself on this one.
0: Well, look, we're only on episode 13. This is only my first time to watch it. <laughs> You've watched all of it several times now. So I'm willing to accept that I could still hate him by the end of the series. But for the moment, I did find myself warming to him slightly on this episode.
1: Okay. He'll, oh,
0: he does a Trip impression as well. To quote our very Mr. Tucker, it means we're dead in the water. I enjoyed that because that shows, again, he does have a lighter side.
1: It was an American accent. I don't know how close the Trip that was. <laughs> because Trip's accent is not just American, it's Southern.
0: I think he did three words, so yeah. it wasn't that much of an impression, but he tried. I will also, however, say that my warming to Reed was slightly undone at the end of the episode when they're in the decon and he makes to Paul get up and answer the
1: communicators. Yeah, <laughs>
0: like that was a dick move.
1: That is not very gentlemanlike.
0: No, it's not. Where's chivalry? Yeah, so that was my feelings on that dynamic. How do you feel about that?
1: I still don't give two shits about Reed. Yeah, and his obsession with guns. Or weapons in general, not just guns. I found... And this is just a little old gamey. But I found the interactions between Paul and Hoshi very homoerotic. In many instances. Like when Hoshi is panicking. And as I told you before, Vulcan hands are special. Mm. They're not human hands. Oh, so, I forgot that. Yeah, so... Mm-hmm.
0: Also, on the homoeroticism, I just want to interrupt briefly, that whole scene comes from Hoshi going off to find some water and to Paul saying, I don't think you should go alone. And yet they both leave Reed alone.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So um, it
0: could be argued that she just wanted an excuse to be alone with Hoshi.
1: Who wouldn't want an excuse to be alone with Hoshi? Exactly. I really liked the progression of their nudity. (laughs) <laughs> uh, throughout the episode because they obviously come with a full suit with the everything and they just get naked more and more naked every scene they keep taking layers off <laughs> so the progression of nudity i found hilarious because they come in the ship with the helmet and everything open the helmet the only reason why reed had a cold was for him not to smell the stench Of Klingons, basically. So he doesn't smell the smell, and they take their helmets off, and then they just keep losing layers until they're in their what you can assume to be their undergarments. And then at the end of the episode, you have the decontamination area, and they're in their underwear. And I'm just like, is this horny Star Trek? Yes, it is. That's exactly what this is. This is horny people being like, how. Can we get them to get naked? Just put them in a giant star bursting. So it's hot and they have to get naked. And at the end of the episode, obviously, we know from the first episode that the whole point of that room is for you to get naked so you can clean yourself. I was very disappointed that there was no oil rubbing.
0: Even with Reed?
1: In general, like... They were three people. They could have just triangled and (laughs) lathered each other up. Like, there was nothing. They were just, like, sunbathing. I guess it feels like a sauna.
0: I was going to ask. Yeah, I did have questions about that.
1: I don't like saunas, though.
0: I don't find saunas relaxing at all. But then I'm Irish and I don't like the heat.
1: I'm Spanish and I don't like the heat. But yeah, sauna is not... Heat. I mean, it is heat, but it's not like a normal heat. It's just being sat in a room sweating your ass off. Yeah. So it's not normal. It's not you experiencing summer.
0: Um, I think it's interesting that you mentioned earlier that you enjoyed seeing them in their undergarments. I'm talking about the grey undergarments. Yeah, on the grey the, on the the ones. Yeah. Because I wanted to talk about them because we'd previously talked about how flattering the cult outfit usually is. I found these grey undergarments. Deeply unflattering toward both. Yeah, I
1: mean, they were, but at the same time, it's their (laughs) undergarments.
0: So let's try and go scene by scene if we can, just to see. Just so you, because you need need the recap. (laughs) Clearly. You clearly need the recap. So we have the, the opening scene with the training, and then we go to the bridge where they discover the gas giant and they discover the ship. Yeah. And then we have. Another unusual dynamic, we have Reed with Phlox, which we haven't seen a lot of. Correct. And we get more exploration of this cold that proves to be completely irrelevant.
1: And that proves to have no cure.
0: That proves to have no cure, but also Reed is doing a very heavily nose-blocked voice in this scene.
1: I don't see how I can actually catch a cold on a hermetically sealed starship.
0: And I hated that. So I'm glad he lost that. For the episode.
1: Yeah, I don't think he could have kept it going.
0: Yeah, but I would like to... I think obviously it turns out the cold is irrelevant. However, in this scene, Flox does tell Reed that the cold will not be contagious in the environmental suit. In one scene, we see Reed wearing his helmet. And in that scene, he takes off his helmet.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So
0: they They've all got the coals,
1: I'm just thinking we now live in a post pandemic world, and I think even us have forgotten the minimum standards to not just give other people colds, <laughs> yeah, cough into your elbow, wash your hands, which I think should be mandatory, also if you have a cold to wear a mask, I think that would be very nice for everybody else, but obviously when this was recorded they hadn't just gone through a pandemic but imagine there being an epidemic on board because they didn't keep their environmental suits like we've talked about this before but what tests do they run on the environments that they go to to guarantee that it's safe because obviously Paul, analyzes the air to see that it's breathable But you don't know who's there, right? Because she doesn't recognize the ship as a Klingon ship. So she doesn't know that they're Klingons. So anything could be there with any virus. So just because the air is breathable doesn't mean you can just go in and breathe the air. You don't. One of your officers already has a cold. A human cold. It's not gonna kill him. But he already has a cold. Keep the damn suits on. What are you doing? These people are dumb. You're putting your first officer, which is your science officer, your only linguist on board, as far as we know, and the weapons officer in a ship that you don't know whose it is, and they're just breathing every virus that the Klingons have. And you don't know if that affects... it's just... maddening.
0: It's crazy. They don't know if Reed cold will affect the Klingons.
1: Correct. That is also correct. You go there and you give them your virus.
0: But... It's interesting that you bring up that point about sending your only linguist and only weapons officer on board because this is something that we talked about in other episodes. That enterprise's allocation of duties and who goes places and who stays on the ship is flawed, to say the least. And even in this episode, they acknowledge it when Reed says,
1: The one time we need our chief engineer is the one time we leave him behind. You have... So basically they went to a ship that was stranded, right? Why would it be stranded if not for an engineering problem? Yeah, I don't know.
0: So far in this series, Enterprise has encountered the ship with the bodies that was abandoned. Yeah. They've encountered the freighter ship that had been attacked. They've encountered this ship that was also damaged. They've encountered the ship where Trip got pregnant. So two out of four times when they've encountered a damaged or abandoned ship, they haven't brought the engineer with them. Yep. But they have sent him to an uncivilized planet.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> with no no civilization or technology at all. Nobody. And a monastery, again, yep. famous for not having any technology.
1: And a pre-industrial city. Because that's where you need... An engineer. Yeah. You need an engineer where there is no technology for him to break.
0: (laughs) And also, this episode, okay, the shuttle pod gets captured uh, or gets stolen by an enemy. They get it back using the grappler, which I loved. Love the grappler. They bring it in to the shuttle docking area. Yep. And knowing that it has been stolen by an enemy and hostile Klingon, because they've heard... Her message to the Klingon Enterprise. The captain. Of the ship. And the commander. The second in command. Go down to confront. Leaving an ensign. In charge of the bridge.
1: Yep. Isn't that how it works? (laughs) Where is the logic? Isn't isn't that how it works? Imagine if they've
0: been killed. And Mayweather's just left in charge.
1: If. I'm not saying that Reed. Didn't need to be in the ship because maybe, like, you can argue that he did, but definitely Trip needed to be there. So I just think that maybe if they swapped, right, if they sent the engineer to the broken ship and kept the weapons officer on board, Mm. then this situation could have been much different because you can send the weapons officer to the ship with the intruder and the captain can remain in the captain's chair is a chair that has the name of the person that needs to be sitting in it.
0: Yeah, and then we also, at the end of the episode, we get a decon scene with T'Pol, Oshi,
1: and Trip. I would have died. My beast, my <laughs> bisexuality would have killed me. And you can guarantee that away. Trip
0: would have got up to answer that call.
1: A hundred and thousand percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he's a gentleman. He's a real gentle, a southern gentleman.
0: Yeah. So we haven't really talked about the story going on back at Enterprise because there's not much story to talk about, to be honest. But
1: I was like, <laughs> did I what, what did I miss it?
0: I think one of the interesting things about this episode is that it's quite a serious episode in that trip. As I read to Paul and how nearly die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nearly die. They're nearly squashed, which I want to come back to. And meanwhile. Archer is just having a nice little time learning in Klingon.
1: Kapla. You beg your pardon? Success. I decided to take your advice about thinking like a Klingon. The Vulcan database has about 900 pages on them. Learn anything? Plenty. As you do.
0: It's such a weird... The tones of the episode are so strange that back on Enterprise, the story being treated on this kind of light-hearted... There doesn't seem to be any urgency in trying to rescue them. I mean, there is. Obviously, they are aware of the time. But in terms of the actual writing of the characters and the dialogue, Trip visits Archer in his cabin. And Archer is telling him little facts about the Klingons and practicing his pronunciation of words. And it's very strange.
1: It is. Because they're like, how long do they have? And Trip's like, maybe like 30 minutes. So he's like, you have 20 minutes.
0: Yeah. So they have 20 minutes in the shuttle pod, and then when they get into the big ship, it goes slightly up because the ship has a bigger hull. But it's still time-sensitive.
1: Yeah, but they don't show that.
0: No. I think we needed, I don't know if you've ever seen 24, but we needed like a a countdown. every yeah. After every ad break, just a...
1: Or, or just the narrator from Spongebob. Ten minutes later. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I thought I thought that was interesting. But in fairness, I did like how they resolved the the Klingon of it all, and how they got the Klingon lieutenant or whatever on their side to help them in the end.
1: It, it was funny. It was like, did did you guys by any chance get drunk? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, you got too drunk you drank too many things you shouldn't have, and now you're dying, and we're here to help, because we're human, we're American humans, and we're here to help. Yeah. (laughs) Also, another thing that I wanted to ask you about, at the beginning of the episode, when Hoshi's like... I realize that I haven't always been the first one in line to volunteer for this type of mission. But I want you to know that I'm prepared to go. Took a while, but I think I finally got my space legs. What are your thoughts on that? Because as you said before, they are very aware of who they're sending and who they're not sending on these missions. And now with this, it's like, is it a volunteering job? Do you volunteer to go on a mission? Because I would assume that if you're working in a ship in space, in a mission of exploration and meeting new people. If you're the linguist, you're kind of forced <laughs> to go yeah. on certain missions. Like, oh, I'm not, I'm just not feeling like it. Yeah. Well, tough luck.
0: I think maybe on a regular Starfleet, Starship, maybe that's what happened. But as we know, Enterprise seems to just draw names out of a hat. And be like, oh yeah, okay, it's a non-civilization planet, but Trip got drawn, so Trip's going.
1: <laughs> yeah. It would be so funny if he was just like literally pulling numbers out of a hat, like Nakokovich. Okay, Nakokovich, you're going. And then.
0: Who? Yeah.
1: Who's that? <laughs> I've never read this name.
0: If it's somewhere Archer wants to go, he's just putting his name in the hat loads of times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I did enjoy that scene though, because it was character growth, because they did acknowledge the previous episode where Hoshi was traumatized by visiting a ship <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> rightfully Basically so i PTSD. think but yeah. they acknowledge that and they shown that she's growing she's obviously taking shooting lessons from reed so she's obviously aware that she needs to maybe be more proactive or have a wider range of skills so yeah. i did like that
1: mm-hmm.
0: i mean i thought it was a bit convenient that to had already asked for how she...
1: See, it's just gay.
0: And yet and yet, Archer's just in his room. He, has, he hasn't he has told her yet. He hasn't told... Archer's just... Oh yeah, I did actually mean to reach you. I was just tidying my room first. But yeah, T'Pol <laughs> does actually want you there.
1: <laughs> actually, I don't care that you're volunteering. Because you were already going to go.
0: Yeah. But no, I did like that scene. I think overall, which you were right at the start of the episode. It's a filler episode. And I think you can tell that because there are even filler scenes like the fact that Hoshi's gun training and Reed cold had absolutely no bearing at all at the end plot says to me that they were either short on running time in this episode and decided oh we need to throw in some extra scenes here to fill this out because it's just not long enough and they came up with giving Reed a cold and Hoshi shooting lessons
1: which is not even that long so no. What is it, two minutes? <laughs> Just, like, you could have done so much more than yeah. that.
0: Um, I want to come back to, in the shuttle pod, when they're prepping for their mission, Yeah. Uh, because this is very relevant to previous episodes that we've discussed. In the shuttle pod, when they're prepping for their mission, Hoshi asks, what if there's a the whole breach?
1: <laughs> yes,
0: and Reed says, "Oh, we'll be squashed to something the size of this, and he holds up his fist. yeah, now we know from previous episodes That's that this true. is not true, <laughs> this is not what happens. Um, you maybe get blown around for a bit, <laughs> and your hair gets ruffled, and you have you have a small bit of difficulty breathing.
1: <laughs> the problem is that he said the truth. Of what happens if there is a hole in the hole. Yeah. The problem is that it's not consistent with what has already happened in previous episodes when there has been a hole in the hole.
0: Mm -hmm. Now, if you'd said it depends on the size of the hole. (laughs)
1: Yeah, the size of the hole is very important. And also the (laughs) (laughs) thickness of the (laughs) the hole Mm the girth the girth <laughs> um because we can very clearly see enterprise trying to go down further into the the center of the gas giant and squashing almost immediately like they were like sir this is not holding but obviously the bird of prey is further down so this means that the enterprise is just skinnier yeah um and they'll the bird of prey is just thicker.
0: the Klingon can go deeper
1: uh, yes, <laughs> they can go deeper and they can withstand and last longer, <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> whereas whereas enterprise had to pull out quite quickly. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
1: Exactly that, yes. What I find very funny in this situation is that Klingons are so mad all the time when they should be so happy because they're lasting longer. Yeah. Also, the shape of the bird of prey.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) I would have guessed that maybe a gay man designed the bird of prey.
0: (laughs) Very aerodynamic.
1: Yes. Especially for space travel, which there is... Nowhere. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. I think the Klingons should just relax a a little.
0: Yeah, they're obsessed with the. You know, masculinity and and toughness, and it's like.
1: You're already there. You're already there, my man. You're already there.
0: Yeah. So that's. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I that's the episode.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think. I think <laughs> we're done.
0: Yeah, I'm. Curious to see if uh, Reed will. Have recovered from the cold next week.
1: Uh, I I'm curious to see if the Klingons come back because they got the cold now.
0: Yeah, maybe they'll exchange their photon torpedoes for the,
1: the cure. They, they they don't even have the cure for the cold. No, they can cure cancer and radiation poisoning, but they can't cure the cold. Yeah, that it's was just weird. So crazy. I mean, I get it. I mean, I don't get it, but I, I get it because the common cold is basically a virus that mutates every year. So that's why you have to keep getting vaccines for it.
0: Surely you have the technology to keep up with the the various mutations.
1: Yeah, also doesn't make sense because he's like, the only way I could have gotten this was when months ago we were on station thing and I opened something and I got. Yeah. And Flux is like, oh, this virus can lay dormant for so long for months (laughs) i don't know it's like even fucking covid died within two hours of being you know if you coughed with covid and it fell on a table the virus on the table was dead in like two hours without any alcohol or anything it's just how can you lay dormant for months yeah when you're already in in a body hello doctors fellow doctors fellow virologists is that a thing uh nurses can you explain to us how viruses work please yeah we're asking for help
0: we'd appreciate that um so yeah that was episode 13 sleeping dogs i don't think we have anything else to say about it do we no I don't think it was a bad episode. It was just a very meh episode.
1: It was pointless. Yeah. It wasn't bad. It was just point like bad. A uh, bad episode is Terra Nova. Terra Nova was a bad episode. So bad. So bad. This was just a meh. Like, why? Why is it here?
0: And I, I mean, I usually like these. Um, last week, obviously, I really enjoyed last week. We got a lot of character development and character stuff, which I liked. But this episode, I didn't.
1: We didn't even get that. No. We got a little tiny yeah. bit. And
0: because, as I said. To Paul and Reed are just two of the most boring characters put together.
1: Yeah. Also, I like that you said that because you're very pro to Paul. Yeah. But you're very. Reali- I know I realistic. am pro to Paul.
0: I'm pro her logic. She's very logical and pragmatic. But let's be honest, there's not much to her other than that. So far. So far. I'm curious to see how she develops further.
1: I mean, maybe it's not enough for you, but
0: well, we did. We got the we got the bit at the end where she agreed or gave in and helped them stay in the decon a bit longer, which was nice. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, is there anything else you wanted to say about Sleeping Dogs?
1: No, not at all.
0: Okay, so thank you so much for listening. We will be back next week with episode fourteen, Shadows of Pajem. You can follow us on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram at podmeupscotty. And if you'd like to get in touch with any questions or any answers to our questions about virology or whole pressure, uh, you can send us those answers or feedback to podmeupscotty at gmail.com. And, of course, if you like the show, you can follow us on your podcast app of choice and leave a review. That would be much appreciated. Um, Thanks again, and we will talk to you next week. Bye-bye.
1: Bye! Bye. Scotty, come in. Ready to be my... was up home. What were you saying? No, it was shit. Of course it was. You were saying it. Fuck you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Fuck you.
1: It's been a while since we recorded, so there's some animosity here.